Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right, how are we? Super good. <laughs> very warm compared to very cold. Yes. <laughs> Mid, uh, midsummer winter wave, cold wave. What's the opposite of a heat wave? Chilly wave. Cold snap. Cold, cold snap. snap. That's right, yeah. Yeah. It is, I don't, look, it's been a funny old, let's call it a summer that we've had, so it's just part of the ups and downs. Mind you, we haven't had massive heat waves and I probably like them less, so I can live with the cold. We got a good one a while back. It was lovely. And, Carla, if you could just send a little bit more our way, that would be great. <laughs> to say, if Perth does deliver on one thing, it certainly is a dry, hot summer. And mm. uh, that's quite a nice thing, actually, if you know what you're in for and mm. you just sit it. But, you know, we pay for it other times of year, I think, through many other ways. But, yeah, so... <laughs> We're all a bit, bit warm and a bit hot, a bit cold, depending on where we are today. <laughs> and has anything interesting happened in the last few days? Because when did we record a few days ago, wasn't it? Can't say that it has for me, no. Well, no, we've, me we've nailed our four days in a row of gym. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. So we're very sore, but we also celebrated with a rosé last night, which was nice. Congratulations. Mm. Yeah. Ah, rosé. What is mm. that? Mm. Mm. Anyway. I know what it is. It's just been, it feels like such a long time. I've been very dry. I've been very dry since Christmas because I've been starving for the wedding. So (laughs) basically. Which is a matter of weeks away, I was thinking. I know, right? Yes, yes. Um, So that's very exciting. The final countdown. Yeah, we'll get there. So, yes, it would be not, rosé would be nice. I, at some point tonight, will allow myself my one drink alcoholic drink which is of course a mango chutney because they're only 70 calories and i can manage that is that all that's good they're no sugar so they're um yeah 70 cals and one standard drink that's why i like them and and of course they're a refreshing flavor <laughs> oh but i did that i bought some other stuff that was like i remember after i'd been to some concert and i was raving about the oh you know this the margarita and then i margarita, thought oh, that's not too bad and then, and then i gave it to someone else like, it's just sugar it yeah, was that's right, yeah. shocking but you know in the context of being at a concert and being excited it was fabulous got it home and i went this is a bit shit and then the other things i bought which were a locale seltzer or whatever else that's just like chemical warfare to drink that stuff i was like so they're all down the bottom fridge not moving did I ever send you the the lower carb or low sugar ginger beer, or did I only sell send you the full, full fat one? Oh, I don't, don't know. Like if it was no, I have never even put it in the fridge. But there is a reason for that. I have not moved that box since you gave it to me because I found out that Jeremy's dad was. I remember I told you it was all happening. On the I day, can't yeah. move the box. The box is in the same spot in our garage, and I look at it all the time, and I think I've got to put them. I've got to do that, and I just. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Not ready yet. Sorry, darling. Uh, I know it's weird. Oh, that's all right. But I can show you a picture of it. It's downstairs. I know exactly. Next next to the fridge, but not in it. So I don't know if they're low-cal or high-cal. What are you boys drinking? Well, well I'm so glad you asked. Ooh. I'm do- we're about to do something that I never thought we'd do because we are on a 28-day challenge. So we are not about- non-alcoholic. We are about to do a live tasting <laughs> of a non-alcoholic rosé. So th- what this means is that it could 
mean that we have one sip of it, tip it out and go and get some real rosé, or we may continue with this one to start with and then switch it out a bit later. I like the colour of it. So do you want, do you want to do the live testing? Live tasting? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the colour looks vibe? good. It's called Plus and Minus Rosé 2022 Zero Alcohol. Wow. And it says rosé grapes including skins. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's big. <laughs> this rosé has less than 0.5% alcohol by volume, similar to the level found in some fruit juices. Jesus, get your kids smashed on fruit juice. Here we go. How does it, not asking for the actual price, but how does it compare to like alcoholic? Oh, uh, this one was ten. This one was ten dollars, but okay. we did while we were shopping. We did see a squealing pig lower alcohol rosé that had five percent rosé in it, and that was sixteen. Sorry, five percent rosé, five percent alcohol. In alcohol, it. Okay. and that was fifteen dollars a bottle. Sorry, sixteen dollars a bottle, which was actually more than the squealing pig full strength. So I thought really? that's interesting. Probably yeah. takes them a bit more to produce it because they have to whatever they do with it, boil it up to get the alcohol off or whatever it is. <laughs> Sift it out. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> not, that's not value for money though for me. You know, if just because it takes them more to process, that's not my problem. I've had uh, quite a few non-alcoholic wines, and as you know, I was going through my non-alcoholic spirit phase, and. I find that they taste all right, but what's the point? Because I don't yeah. actually drink alcohol for its taste. Correct. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's okay. funny because I'm here. That's so like I think goes. I've never had non-alcoholic wine. No, here goes. Why, why bother? I wonder if it's sweet. It doesn't smell very nice. I'll give it mm-hmm. that. Oh, is that right? Second smell, a little bit better. Here we go. First taste. <laughs> if you didn't know that it wasn't alcoholic, would you be able to sense that there's no kick to it? or? Yeah. You can yeah. totally tell it's non-alcoholic. Yeah. It's not How? bad. Because you're not getting any nice. There's no, burn. there's no bite to it. Ah, okay. And no, not that. Um, because so rage the alcoholic. I'm not. My, my nerves yeah, yeah. are not settled. My nerves so, are not settled. I'm exactly. still shaking. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's got a lot of flavour at the front of the mouth, but not mm. much in the palate. No finish. Mm. No finish. Yeah. So. Oh, I think it, I just it tastes something. like fruit juice, effectively. Okay. Ah, oh, right. Got it. All yeah. right. Well, I have a yeah, feeling I know, you know where that's going to go. That's no, no, a nice we're, starter. We're, just we're certainly it. not having the first sip and tipping it out, so we'll okay. persevere with it and see okay, how we go. Cool. How about you two? What are you gals drinking? I'm drinking a mother. And I'm drinking a very predictable coconut sugar. That's my third for the day. I know that on the can it says have one a day, but it also doesn't assume that you're eating nothing. So, hey. How many? What's your limit? Three. Does that do something like r- get your heart racing so you metabolise no. faster and lose more weight or you just drink it because you love it? No, it would be the same as someone drinking five or six cups of coffee a day. It gives me a little bit of an energy boost so that I, so when I start to flag, I feel a little bit more. Does it have calories? It does. It's got 14 calories. That's why Whoa. I switched to mothers. Yeah, oh, no, count. no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong, sorry. 11 calories. Oh. And Well, that's another, what, nine you can budget on today? <laughs> <laughs> Knock yourself out, sweetheart. Go and have half a exactly. cracker. Well, hang on, I've already. Had I sound very today, disrespectful. So. I absolutely do not mean it like that. I know what you can do, what you're capable of when you put your mind to it. So you know, I'm an Olympic. I know it. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But it's only a short term thing. I don't have to worry about you beyond that. So if anybody's Incredible worried, please don't shrinking be. Schmitty. Schmitty. Yeah. Uh, no, it is a short term thing. Just to the wedding. I have got a dressmaker altering the dress, so the dress will fit anyway, but I just want it to be that little bit. I just a popular culture reference here, which Clarkie and we may not get, but it's like you were borrowing um, Marilyn Monroe's dress from Ripley's Believe It or Not, like Kim Kardashian did. And, and was cutting an the ass out of it. Well, no, then she couldn't oh. fit it, so she had to wear a, st- a first stole over the top, but 
she apparently stretched it a little bit, which is very much not cool. She should never have had it on if that was going to happen. I thought she cut the ass out of it. Like I thought no, it was adjusted. No, no, no. She wasn't oh, she allowed just to touch it. it. But she, oh. they were saying that they think she put too much pressure on it. But she lost like seven kilos in two to weeks or something to get into it. Yeah, That's God. impressive. It's taken yeah. me four and a half weeks to lose seven kilos. I'm sure she probably had some chemical busy. help or whatever else she needed. I don't think that, you know, I'm sure all, everything's at her disposal. Maybe they <laughs> cut the arse out of her so she could fit into the dress. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you should say that because I don't think she has the same bum that she used to. Yeah, they right. all, their figures change so much. I'm, there's a lot of jiggery pokery that goes on there, I'm sure. It's not all sure what you're born with. I'm never sure if it's real in the first place. Like, you know, it's sometimes. Not. A lot of it's not. No, no, I don't mean as in it's padded with, like, mm. surgically. I mean, some of it's literally the actual clothing has got enhancements. You know, like a. Like, oh, you know, yeah, in yeah. drag, how in drag queens have yeah. the breastplates at the front and then they've got bum pads and that sort of stuff to fill themselves out to give them more of a curvaceous woman figure. I wonder uh, sometimes when you see the pictures of her where her ass is so unnaturally large, yeah. but you just think there's no way any. Well, I mean, I can't speak to it, but I've been born with a naturally large ass, right? Large, and, <laughs> large, large. My ass is enormous, <laughs> right? And so I can't imagine making it even bigger than that would be what I would consider attractive. No. Or, or even right. gainly, like I walk in, we're in this new house, in the ha that we have, in the middle toilet where they've put the, <laughs> where they've put the toilet paper, when I stand up, I knock the toilet paper off every single time with my large ass. And I'm like, <laughs> seriously, it's well, not le- made for someone like me. At least you know Sir Mix-a-Lot's Anaconda would want some. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you've right, got yes. buns, hun. Mm, I do. All right. So who are we? I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together we are Trial, Trial by, by Non-Alcoholic Wine. <laughs> and who's going to tell us a little story today? Well, if you'd like, I can tell you one. Oh, I'd love Thanks that. To yeah? It's been a while. I feel like it's been a while since you've told us a story, Clarky. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Great. But I do recall a while back telling you that because Stuart and I were going on a cruise. Like, remember it's we cruise did the cruise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm going to tell you a cruise story. Great. Oh, cool. Just to keep the excitement going. Because I'm going on one in six weeks now or five weeks. So I'm great. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. So I must preface <laughs> this though. This, this could be a bit <laughs> triggering for you then, Schmitty, because mm. it's not happy-go-lucky cruise story that you would like to tell us when you come back from your cruise. Okay. All right. Okay. I've just put my life jacket on. Yeah, smart, Swanee. You might want to put yours on too. This is the story of Diane Brimble, and you may or may not have heard of this, but it's one that I heard, I recall from at the time, and it's very sad. So my sources are Wikipedia, of course, ninenews.com.au, the Adelaide Advertiser, sydneymorningherald.com.au, daily telegraph, abc.com, international cruise victims. Oh, <laughs> spoiler alert. So well, you should laugh. I don't you know be, there was going to be. So we don't want to be featured on that one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly right. Brisbane Times and there is also a cruisepassenger.com.au article entitled How Mark Brimble Made Cruising Safer for Women. Mm. Is that an irony? Anyway. Well, I will get to that. So I think it depends on your perspective. Okay. 
Bear in mind, cruisepassenger.com.au seems to be an art, a, a website put out by the cruise industry from what I could gather. I could be wrong. but Oh, um, so it's completely unbiased. Well, well <laughs> it, it just let's just say it has a different perspective. Right, okay. Diane Elizabeth Brimble was born on the 10th of April 1960. She married her first husband, Mark, and together they had two sons. After their divorce, she found a new partner, David Mitchell, and they had a daughter, Talia. They lived in Brisbane and she was described by friends and family as a prudish woman. Prudish. A prudish. Prudish woman, yes. Oh. And and just to be sure, to be clear, not David Mitchell from English comedian fame, <laughs> who's also uh, a bit prudish, actually. Yeah, Very. no, no. Well, well, he so this David Mitchell wasn't described as prudish, but his right. partner, Diane well, Grimble, was. was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Grimble. Okay. Is it like Grimble? Brimble with a B. Brimble. Oh, sorry, Brimble. Mm. Yeah. Brimble. Yes. So in the late 90s, she decided that she'd take Talia on a cruise. So she scrimped and saved for three years and managed to get together the 4,400 fare for a cruise on the P&O liner Pacific Scott. For two, is that for two people? Well, yeah, yeah. So it, it's for the two of them, but they went well, with no, others. Because it costs four or five per person now, but I'm thinking in the late 90s to now that the actually hasn't gone up that much when you think about it. No. So in, in That was two... a lot of money in the late 90s though. Yeah, yeah. I remember my mates and I looking at going on a cruise and we couldn't afford anything in like 93, 94 that was above the waterline. <laughs> so I'm like, we're not going. <laughs> so once she'd saved the money, they booked a cruise in 2002 and, um, Schmitty, think about how excited you are about your cruise coming up because I know mm. this is what I've done a lot of. On a day full of promise and expectations, Diane boarded the Pacific Sky in Sydney with her 12-year-old daughter, Talia, her sister, Alma Wood, her niece, Carrie-Anne. Oh, nice. Yeah, all four had planned to share a cabin for the 10-day and nine-night cruise to Numea, Vanuatu and New Caledonia. New Caledonia. Done it. That's the one I did. You yeah. did it? Not on that liner, but I've done that cruise, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, I could imagine the excitement, right? You'd be like, yeah, well, yeah, the especially best if holiday. you're doing it with a girl. That's the one oh, we went on yeah. the solstice. It was amazing. Especially yeah, you do it with yeah. like, your auntie and your cousin and your sister. Oh, fab. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah girl yeah, yeah. trip. Woo! Woo! Get the cocktails. Woo! <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, this is a story of a victim, several predators, and, a, and a hero. Oh. So, that sounds promising. We're about to move on to the predators. So unbeknownst to Diane, also boarding were a group of eight men from Adelaide. The eight men were Mark Wilhelm, Leo Silvestri, Ryan Kuchel, Matthew Slade, Dragon Lossick, Peter Pantic, Luigi Vitale and Charlie Camburus. Several of the group were connected to bikey gangs or had drug supply convictions. Ooh. And... There is a photo of the eight men posing for a dockside photo. So they're all sort of there and, you know, photo. And over the shoulder of one of them, unbeknownst to everyone, is uh, Diane Brimble in the background. Wow. So there's actually a photo of mm. the nine of them, which doesn't come out until later but is kind of important in the story. Not important, it's significant in the story. Okay, Yep. So as they all embark on their cruise, Diane and her accompanying family members enjoyed a sail away party. I love this. I'm going to be so excited when we have a sail away party. That's a thing, is it? Is it like when you're yeah. leaving the port? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it gives them a chance to relax, have a couple of cocktails and watch the sun go down. Aww. 
Following the party, they decided to have dinner and talk about their plans for the following day. After dinner, Alma, Carrie-Anne and Talia decided to head back to the cabin and call it an early night. Diane accompanied them back to the cabin to kiss Talia goodnight and later left for the nightclub. Mum. At the nightclub, she met Mark Wilhelm and uh, was seen socialising with him and the other seven men. Diane appeared not to have been drinking to excess. However, she was seen stumbling and disoriented when leaving. The following morning, Alma realised that Diane had not returned to to their cabin. At breakfast time, Alma had her page but was later called to the ship's medical centre where she was told that Diane had passed away. (gasps) What? Her naked body had been found on the floor of a cabin occupied by four unknown men. What do you mean unknown? Unknown Uh, to her? uh, Correct. Right. Yes. Within 24 hours of boarding the cruise ship, Diane Brimble was found dead in a very suspicious circumstance. The cabin turned out to be occupied by four of the men from Adelaide, Mark Wilhelm, Leo Silvestri, Ryan Kuchel and Matthew Slade. An investigation needed to take place and what followed, and this is just, the phrase just seems inappropriate, but what followed was a comedy of errors Mm. in which the ship's pursuer... Purser. Purser. I know, right? (laughs) And what yeah. followed was a comedy of errors in which the ship's purser enabled the men to repeatedly contaminate what was essentially a crime scene. Oh. So I'll talk you through the timeline a little bit because it's kind of important. So Monday the 23rd of September 2002, at approximately 5pm in Sydney, Australia, Diane Brimble boards the Pacific Sky cruise ship um, and there's a total of 1,500 passengers on board. The next day at about 4am, Diane is seen leaving the ship's disco with four of the eight men of interest. At approximately 8.30, the ship's emergency paramedics are called to cabin D-182 when attempts by two of the men to revive Brimble fail. And at 9.03, she is pronounced dead. So that's the 24th. On Thursday, the 26th of September, detectives board the ship while in port in Noumea and begin questioning various witnesses. Whilst uh, Brimble's cabin was sealed for further investigation, the cabin where she was found was not. Oh, Jesus. Oh, sorry, a bit shocked by that fact. But I was going to ask the question, the detectives who are actually on board, are they from Nimea or are they from Australia and flown to Nimea? Good question. I am not sure, although I do have in my head they were from Australia. Okay. The four occupants, Wilhelm, Slade, Kuchel and Silvestri, are moved to another cabin and are allowed to remove their belongings. Unbelievable. The cabin is then cleaned. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Brimble's body is removed from the ship and transported back to Australia. Her family members also disembark. Diane's ex-husband, Mark Brimble, later said they'd failed to preserve the crime scene, they'd failed to engage the correct police to investigate the matter, and those police took way too long to gather the brief of evidence. So it took two to three years for the brief of evidence to be given to the coroner. What? So the the inquest could start. I know, right? So toxicology reports later revealed that Diane had died due to ingesting a combination of alcohol and an overdose of the drug gamma-hydroxybutrate, otherwise known as GHB or fantasy. The amount of drug in her system was three times the amount that a recreational user would have used. Mm. So, How do you take that drug? Does anyone know? So tablets. Uh, so it was put in a drink, but anyway. Yeah, I think it can be liquid or tablet. I, I thought at this point we should just have a quick look at what GHB does because yeah. it sort yeah. of plays out. So um, 
The following effects may begin within 15 to 20 minutes of taking GHB and may last for around three to four hours. Feelings of euphoria, increased sex drive, lowered inhibitions, drowsiness, tremors, nausea, and diarrhea. Ugh. Yeah. How, how would you be? Oh, I feel so sexy. Oh, I just shat myself. Yeah, I, just <laughs> so, I feel so horny. Oops. I shat myself. <laughs> What did you just say, Steve? You just wore your co- rompers. Coughed in my rompers. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Doesn't sound good. No. As we said earlier, the brief of evidence took three years to complete. So there was an inquest that commenced in 2006, aiming to make sense of what happened on the night. Can I just ask a question? I don't know if you yeah. know the answer to this. What happens to the people in the interim? Do they just go back to their lives? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're not charged, yeah. yeah. yeah no, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and, and the reason for that is, and, and the reason for the inquest was to kind of uncover, you know, had Diane knowingly taken the drugs and gone to the room with Mark or had he drugged her unknowingly? So there's no kind of evidence that's blatantly obvious that no. she wasn't no a willing participant. No one saw her being dragged or... No, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so... So it yes, might not be a, a criminal case. Correct. Yeah. There's a death that's happened, but if everyone's denying everything, well... It's hard to get evidence, and when the you know the room wasn't sealed, so they could take everything out and it could get cleaned and all that sort of stuff, it makes it very hard. But so the eight men were subpoenaed to appear. Um, Mark Wilhelm's attorney attempted to challenge the inquest, but this was rejected, and Wilhelm was ordered to appear when called. Mark Brimble, the ex-husband of Diane Brimble, represented the family at the inquest and asked questions of witnesses. Other Pacific Sky passengers and personnel had already made statements. So we spoke about. Victims, predators, Mark is kind of the hero of the story. Yeah. So during the inquest, both Leo Silvestri and Ryan Kuchel gave evidence blaming Mark Wilhelm for giving Diane Brimble a GHB or fantasy. Ryan said that Mark asked Diane if she wanted some. She asked what the effects were. He said it'll make you 10 times hornier than ecstasy. Ryan Kuchel told the New South Wales Coroner's Court that he had overheard a conversation after Mark Wilhelm brought Diane Brimble back to the cabin waking him up. He says he got annoyed and went to visit four of his other travelling companions in a nearby cabin. He says Peter Pantic and Dragon Lossick seemed amused by what he told them was going on in his cabin. Peter Pan and Dragon Boy. Yeah. Correct. Yes. So guess what they did? Joined in. They went to check it out. <laughs> Gang yep. And of course, if you're about to go and do that, what would you do? You'd do what Pete did, grabbed the camera. Oh, oh God. Yeah, like really? So they could all go next door and they saw Mark having sex with her and Pete took a few photos. That's disgusting. Those photos, however, proved mm. crucial in the case that otherwise lacked physical evidence. Oh, brilliant. Mm. So the camera was owned by Charlie Camburis and the memory stick formed part of the evidence. The pictures had been deleted from the memory stick, but computer forensic experts were able to retrieve more than 150 yeah. deleted pictures from it. Nice brilliant. work. Yep. 150. Yeah. Not all um, of now this it, situation. Now, though. it doesn't say that the 150 right. are oh, all. Well, all related to this. Yeah, thing. yeah, because I thought the same thing. Like, my God, what? I was like, God, they, it's like they were like photojournalists. Yeah, yeah. So the photographs <laughs> no, depict perfect. sexual activity between Diane and Wilhelm. Wilhelm claimed that the sex was consensual, and several photographs appear to support this. Other photographs allegedly show Brimble later lying naked on the floor of the cabin, having lost control of her bodily functions. Oh, God. So that kind of takes us back to the side effects. 
According to several witness testimonies, the men had spent most of the time on the cruise allegedly propositioning a number of female passengers of varying ages. Among numerous acts of alleged sexual harassment were asking a 15-year-old to do an erotic dance in their cabin for cash, entering the cabin of four girls uninvited, asking if they were going to the disco where they could go down on them, and, oh. in, a, and in a later encounter, Silvestri asking one woman if he could perform, perform oral sex on her. They're, they're on the cruise for a... Um, they're cruising a fairly on the cruise, specific but reason. still, well, but also that's not hugely unusual, not that I've had that experience on the cruises I've been on, but people are there, as you said the other day when you were talking about it, you know, how many thousand people, everyone's on the drink, yeah, what goes and- on tour, stays on tour stuff. And there was a fair bit of promotion. I'm not sure if it was at that time or earlier, but I, I think we talk about this a bit later, although it may have been in the previous episode we did, around there being that real carnival atmosphere and, and party atmosphere. Party and so, atmosphere, you know, yeah, you yeah. go on and you drink and you do whatever you want. So people kind of get onto the cruise ship and just lose their inhibitions and probably go a little bit wild. Yeah, it does depend on the way the cruise ship is actually billing itself because. The celebrity ones that Tony and I are going on or have been on and going on, they're more for adults so that mm. they don't really play that party stuff up. They don't have the slides and all the stuff. They don't encourage kids. Kids will be on board but not many, I promise you. I wouldn't say it's sedate. There, there are people who have plenty of drinkers and stuff but it just doesn't have that sordid vibe about it. Yeah. Whereas the P&Os I've been on have. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a P&O we're talking about, yeah? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So the inquest heard the initial interview that Silvestri had given police in New Caledonia. The interview was conducted two days after Diane's death. At the time, Silvestri denied any involvement with Diane. During the interview, however, Silvestri spoke of Diane in disparaging terms, saying she smelt, she was black and she was ugly. Silvestri also described her as desperate, a yuck, ugly dog, and a fat thing. Mm. Silvestri told the police interviewers that he was angry because Diane fucked up his holiday by dying in his cabin. He sounds like a lovely person. Yep, correct. A-hole. And, and I'll actually show you a picture of Diane a bit later because I think none of that is true. Oh, yeah, I've, I looked her up. She's very oh, you pretty. Did. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. This man's a repugnant individual and he's just saying shit like that, disparaging a woman who's died under suspicious circumstances. How's that? She fucked up his holiday by dying in his cabin. Well, maybe he ruined his own holiday by going out on the first night, propositioning women and pushing drugs at them with the rest of his mates. If, if someone ruined his holiday, it's definitely his mate, if yeah. not several of them. According to police witness statements, Silvestri allegedly said to another cruise passenger, Alison McCain, that the bitch is dead, the fucking bitch is dead. Some shit went down last night, some top secret shit. <laughs> oh, I mean, just top, sound like top secret shit. Could, could you, they yeah, are could, bogans, yeah. Yeah, could you imagine being out somewhere and someone saying that to you? Some <laughs> shit went down last night, some top secret shit. Like you just turn around and walk off <laughs> or just sit there pissing yourself laughing at them. The only way I think I would have an interaction with someone like that is if they, if I was walking past the smoking area. I reckon yeah. that's, that's where I'd hear it. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and so to, to continue on from the top secret shit, and that a woman had died naked on the floor of their cabin. I, I just don't with see. With no remorse, with no Why would you feeling. Like, it's just awful. If a naked woman died in your cabin, imagine the reaction you would have versus his reaction. Oh, I mean, like, devastated. Quality individual. I mean, complete lack of respect for the fact that she's a, a human and she's dead away. and whatever, and that he or at least his mates were involved in that. Mm. Like, God. Like she did just wander into your cabin and die on the Correct. floor. Correct. It's not like, you know, you us living on a farm, some animal walks in and dies and what was the word we had? Uh, has leakage all over the carpet or yeah, something yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and ruins your carpet. You yeah. know. Oh, you're so ugly. <laughs> yeah, you smell. Oh, like... you ugly animal. But oh, even if it so... did, you wouldn't respond like that. You'd be like, oh, some poor thing's died. So yeah. gross, but I'll clean it up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, some poor thing died. You wouldn't call it top secret shit either. Like, no. Uh, what, what a well, fraud. you'd only call it top secret shit if you knew there was something dubious about Criminal, it. Correct. Or yeah. if the sh- or if the shit had confidential stamped on it <laughs> <laughs> or classified. Classified, yeah. yeah. Or top secret. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. More importantly, or top yeah. secret. Yes. <laughs> Uh, several passengers related how Silvestri had told them that the group had considered throwing Brimble overboard. <gasps> you mean after she passed away? Uh-huh, yep. Right. At least 10 passengers saw Brimble having lost control of her bodily functions, lying unconscious and naked on the cabin floor, including what? several. Including, so this is once she's dead. Because the door's open, oh, there's right, a bit of right. chaos. There's a oh, whole right. lot of people so who people got to see So people walking past, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very well, tight. It, it, the corridors are very tight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I don't think they were walking past. I think they were rubbernecking, you know, trying to see what had happened. See what was going Maybe. down. Yeah, which, which I think, shit. you know, if yeah. something's happened and there's a crowd, you might go and have a look to see what's going on, but then go, ugh. So, uh, yeah, at least 10 passengers saw Brimble having lost control of her bodily functions, lying unconscious and naked on the cabin floor, including several women Wilhelm specifically invited into the cabin to see her in that state. Why? Oh, like at eight thirty in the morning. Well, yeah, you know, around that time. Did they know that she was dead at the time? They were laughing and thinking she was unconscious. Yeah, because they tried to revive her, and then and then they called the paramedics. But is this before the paramedics arrived? When these other people are walking past, I presume so. Surely the paramedics would have cordoned it off or done something. No, I don't think it was cordoned off. So I think it was not. Yeah, maybe maybe not for a period of time. You know, the fact that they still had access to their room to move stuff and everything. It just wasn't well managed at all. When the group realised something was wrong, they washed and dressed Brimble before calling for help. Ah. Oh. Later, when medical officers attempted to resuscitate Brimble, Sylvester told the ship's purser to get the bitch out of my room. <laughs> and Sylvester's the one who said all that crap earlier, yeah? yeah? Correct, yeah, yeah, he's, exactly he's right. The, he's the tip-top person that we all want in our lives. Mm, yeah, prozactly. Sylvester told the coronial court that Kuchel told him that Wilhelm had given Brimble the drug and that she took it willingly with full informed consent. However, Wilhelm had written in a signed statement given to the P&O security chief that he had not given any drugs to anyone. In previous testimony given in March, counsel assisting the coroner, Ron Honig, described Brimble as being preyed upon and asserted that she was impaired in such a way that she could not have given informed consent. Correct. At the first inquest in March, 
Honig read statements from family and friends of Diane, citing that she was a very moral woman who did not approve of taking drugs or of casual sex. Both Mark Brimble and David Mitchell, her partner of 14 years, gave evidence to the court pertaining to Diane Brimble's character. So this this next bit, I really umdenard about whether or not I should include it, but I think in the... Should we brace ourselves? No, no, it's just... Oh. I'll, I'll tell you and, and you'll understand why, but I just think yeah. in the interest of being transparent yeah. about what I uncovered, I should say it. So, however, evidence was tendered by Brimble's doctor that she had recently been prescribed the morning after pill and had previously had an HIV test following an indiscretion. In addition, the recovered photograph showed Brimble fully conscious having sex with Wilhelm. So that is somewhat contradictory, I guess, to the other picture that is being painted. The reason I thought about leaving it out is I don't think it matters in the context of whatever she's done, she shouldn't have ended up in the way, in the situation that she did. Correct. No. It doesn't matter if she decided to consensually sleep with them. She didn't decide to consensually be, uh, you know, take an overdose of drugs, of which she already said at the beginning, what's the side effects? She didn't know how much to take, you know, so in that respect, they and if these guys, as you said earlier, were connected to bikies and drugs and shit, they would have known how much she could safely take. So so I think assuming that, you know, all of the testimony around her consensually taking it is true, that's the, that's correct. Alternatively, she didn't know at all. Correct, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. But, but I just wanted to be transparent with the fact that I did find that piece. So police had tapped the telephones of the eight named men of interest for six months. Uh, investigators yes. heard nothing incriminating and came to the conclusion that the men did not have the mongrel instinct to stick to a fabricated story. Oh, yeah, they do. However, the men frequently spoke of themselves being the victims, boasted about the media coverage and discussed how to make money from the case, including selling their story to the media, setting up a fee-for-access website, suing for defamation, and offering to tell the truth to police for cash. In one of the taped calls, Silvestri and Peter Pantic, who was suspected of taking the degrading photographs, talk about selling their story to 60 Minutes. Schmidty, I'll, I'll say it, but then I think you can put a voice to it because you're quite good at that. So what they say is, let's make some money out of it before they fucking shaft us. Fuck, we'll mention everything, Mr Pantic says. Let's make some money out of it before they fucking shaft us. What was the next bit? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Fuck, we'll mention everything. Fuck, we'll mention everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's I what think, I imagine when you're talking I about think, it. I think yeah. you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> the pair then discuss setting up a website and charging for access before Mr. Pantic suggests offering police a truth deal for $1 million. So uh, two things. When they talk about setting up a, a website where you pay for access, what am I accessing? The photos? Yeah. <laughs> And, and oh. the second thing is I'm going to get a million dollars for the truth because we've been lying. Mm. Yeah, correct. Mm. Or the truth stretching. Or the truth is stretched. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> In another call, Silvestri tells Ryan Kuchel, you'll have a Ferrari by the end of this. Oh, oh my God. Like it. <laughs> what fucking gangsters. Yeah, quality, right? Would be. In July 2007, coroner ended the inquest saying there is enough evidence capable of satisfying a jury that known persons had committed indictable offences. Counsel assisting the inquest, Ron Honig, said there was enough evidence to conclude the two unnamed people had committed an indictable offence 
Koenig said that possible charges could relate to supplying a person with a drug and not rendering a person assistance. The case is referred to the Director of Public Prosecutions. So we move on to the next part of the process. Mm. So in September 2008, the New South Wales Director of Public Prosecutions announced that Mark Wilhelm, Leterio Silvestri and Ryan Kuchel would face charges over the circumstances of Brimble's death. Wilhelm was to be charged with manslaughter and supplying a prohibited drug and Silvestri and Kuchel with perverting the course of justice or alternatively to the lesser charge of hindering the investigation. We're just being disgusting human beings. Well, I think in the context of the fact that he's actually going to be charged, when you look back at the comments he's making about, you know, that bitch ruined his holiday yeah. by dying in his room, like, oh, what a pig. So they sound t- scary to me, perfectly honest. Yeah. They just sound scary to me because they're the kind of people who they don't value human life. Yeah. The way they view people, things, situations, they don't have a, a sort of a moral, I don't want to use the word compass, but moral sort of constructs that, that I, the average person does, I don't think. They, they live yeah. beyond those boundaries. So things like that are just inconsequential to, you know, or consequential in the sense that it might inconvenience them, but yeah. it's not. I wonder if they that. get joy out of operating outside of those boundaries oh, too. For so sure. That's, I'm sure yeah. a lot of them do. Which I think is even worse. You know, it's not like they're operating out of it under sufferance or out of necessity they're doing it for fun that and a sort of a camaraderie i think that comes with yeah. being part of something that you know is that's what binds them together i guess is their unlaw their what's it, unlawlessness is that a word unlawfulness unlawfulness that's the word i'm after dirty mm. rotten scoundrels their criminality is their commonality oh, oh nice. i like I it, like it. oh that has to go on merch yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's very good In October 2009, a Supreme Court trial of Wilhelm ended with the jury unable to reach a verdict. Uh, So that just, I think, speaks to the fact that it's so hard to prove in the absence of evidence. Of of forensics and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Even though clearly they would not have even bought it if they thought they wouldn't get any form of prosecution. But, yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. So on the 21st of April 2010, as a second trial began, Wilhelm pleaded guilty to an alternative charge to manslaughter, saying that he had caused Brimble to take the drug. However, in an unusual move, Justice Howie refused to accept the plea, saying, I cannot allow him to plead guilty to a matter he did not commit, and he did not commit this. Uh, Sorry, what? What? (laughs) Do you want me to read that again? No, I heard it. I just can't understand how a person who wasn't there at the time says, oh, no, he can't go guilty. He didn't do it. Sorry, based on what? It'd be fine to say, if you do, do you realise that if you plead guilty to this, there isn't enough evidence to, to prove that you have done it? Yeah. That's one thing. But to say I'm not even going to accept that is... Or I think it's likely that you'll get off or, you know, I, I would encourage you to revisit this with your... Yeah, speak to your legal counsel about that. But I don't even think it's the position of a judge to negotiate what someone pleads or throw it throw out a plea out of court and just go no i mean i don't know enough about it that is shocking to me so shortly after crown prosecutor terry thorpe withdrew the charge of manslaughter against wilhelm justice howie said he wholly supported the decision to drop the charges because there was no evidence to support the charge the judge said that the majority of the public believed that Wilhelm should be held responsible for Brimble's death, but that their view had been coloured by prejudice and hysteria. 
He said that the coronial inquest had been unfortunate because it allowed a great deal of irrelevant material to be exposed to the media. Mr. Wilhelm had no basis to believe that he was in any way putting Miss Brimble's life at risk. He said she was an adult who, on the evidence, voluntarily took the drug knowing what it was. She didn't think it would harm her, neither did Mr. Wilhelm. Wilhelm pleaded guilty to the far lesser charge of supplying a prohibited drug. The judge then recorded a no conviction and applied no penalty for the charge of supplying stating it's a significant punishment he has already suffered. I mean, he's had his fucking holiday ruined, right? Oh, that's Sylvester. This is... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I had lived. Um, <laughs> I'm entitled to take into account not only the I mean, Will the years... had his holiday ruined for sure, but he didn't bitch about it. Yeah, yeah, correct. I'm entitled to take into account not only the years of public humiliation of the offender, but also the consequences of that on him and his mental health. For hindering the investigation, Kutra was given a, an 18-month good behaviour bond while Silvestri was given a 15-month bond. That's the court sentence. Um, so later that year, the inquest that commenced in 2006 was finalised. Coroner Jacqueline Milledge finished what she started four years earlier, handing down her finding that the 42-year-old mother of three died from the effects of the illicit drug fantasy administered by a known person. She was unknowingly drugged by unscrupulous individuals who were intent on denigrating her for their own gratification, Miss Millage said at the inquest. Miss Millage's finding contrasted the finding from the earlier Supreme Court trial, which found the evidence showed Ms Brimble had taken the drug voluntarily and did so under the influence of alcohol, and therefore in no way was Wilhelm responsible for the effects of the drug on Ms Brimble. Why did it take her four years to get there? Because I think that once they'd realised that there was enough evidence, they kind of halted it and pushed it to the court. And then following and then that, when they it went, got chucked hang out, on they a minute, let's revisit it. However, Miss Millage said Miss Brimble was on a family holiday and simply would not have taken the drug willingly, only metres from where her young daughter slept. To be fair, I know this is one of those things, why she's with her sister and her daughter and a niece and they've the first night and she's already at a nightclub on her own straight up and that's not I'm not saying that that's wrong or right but it is I don't know it it sort of sets a tone that I find for someone who's so prudish I don't think someone so prudish would do that I find that very odd behavior I I must say that I agree with that I think that I found it odd that the first you know they they all go out for dinner everyone goes to bed and she goes out Partying. Frankly, if the mum and the sister, like the, the two women had gone out together and the girls had been put in a room together, that I actually would have understood if they were yeah. at a certain age. They were like, you know, young teenage girls and the mums were like, all right, girls, we're going to go and have a drink now. You know where you are if you need us, all that kind of stuff. That I get. Yeah, yeah. The fact that she went off on her own I find very odd. And if I understood it correctly, and I mean, it's kind of immaterial in the whole thing really, isn't it, for what ends up happening to her, but her sister knew that she was heading out, right? Yeah. They're sharing the same room, all four of them. I, th- I think, look, at the end of the day, the question is whether or not she took the drug and wanted, you know, consented to have sex with these people or or that person or whether or not she was uh, predated upon. I, I think you're right. It's it's just interesting when we're talking about the a coroner at the inquest saying that she simply would not have taken the drug willingly only metres from her young daughter. I don't think it's clear that that's the case. It's also not clear that she did willingly take it and therefore I that's don't it. think. So it's it's two very extreme views, one from the Supreme Court judge and one from the coroner. And 
Well, um, the coroner hasn't provided evidence that she took it unknowingly. That's my problem, right? The coroner hasn't or the Supreme? No, the coroner said she would never have done that, but there's no evidence that she didn't do it. No, and I, and I think to Carla's point, the fact that she went out by herself on the first night of the cruise mm. indicates a certain familiarity with going outside of that family unit. It, it doesn't seem like the act of a prudish woman. It seems like the act of someone who is absolutely up for having fun that night. Now, none of that should lead to anything further. She no. should absolutely be comfortable going out and drinking on a cruise and feeling safe with that. But yeah. I, I just, I, I don't think, I wouldn't draw either of the conclusions that the coroner and the Supreme Court judge did. I think there's a whole lot of grey area in there. And then I think to your point, Schmitty, None of it should result in what happened. No, of course not. I don't think I don't all, do drugs and I don't do casual sex. But I certainly would have gone into not a nightclub, but like they're not really nightclubs on the cruise ships, right? They're, they're bars that have bands and whatever in it in the evening. That's a um, nightclub. Yeah, but I mean during the day it's not, right? So it's not it's like a day a, club. No, during the day they're normally just, you know, a bar. But my point is I will go into a bar and have a drink. I, will, I would have gone in there and had a drink and socialised if I didn't want to go to bed and I was all excited because it was my first night. It doesn't mean I'm expecting to take drugs and it doesn't mean I'm expecting no. to get okay. laid and it doesn't mean I'm expecting to die. So there's a, I think just there's a difference when we talk about someone who's prudish. It doesn't mean that she wasn't prepared to have a drink and socialise with people. That's not a prude. A prude the, the prudish side of it is an objection to drugs, an objection to free sex. I don't agree with that though, but I don't. I don't know that that she should ever necessarily have been painted as particularly prudish. Perhaps exactly. That's where, I don't know that she was prudish to be honest, because if what her GP said was correct, perhaps there was some other stuff going on in her life where you know she just there's nothing wrong with anything she's done. But to sort of suggest that she was prudish, maybe that's some people thinking, or maybe not wishing she was, but trying to paint a particular picture of her, which is only part of her personality. But that's neither here nor there. It's immaterial in what happened to her. So, But if you go to the doctors and you say, I need the morning after pill, right, does it mean that it's because you've been shagging around or perhaps you no. think you're fallen pregnant to your partner? Like how do we know that that was an indiscretion? Correct. Or that HIV test could have been because of her partner, right? Not or because she had sex been, outside marriage. It might not have been to do with sex. It could have been exposure to blood or something. Correct. I think. I think the interesting thing for me is that we can find an area in this story where there's no certainties, oh, but yeah. both of the people in the legal profession have found absolute certainties that are so bizarre. diametrically opposed yeah. kind of thing. You know, I couldn't draw either of those conclusions out of no. it. And if the coroner was the, the judge, they all would have gone to hell for what they did. <laughs> but if the, the judge was doing the inquest... I wouldn't have even gone to the Supreme Court. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting the way individual views in our legal system can frame the outcome. I'm kind of surprised by that. I, I wouldn't mm. have thought that that would happen. Uh, she was, so, so Miss Millage continuing, um, she was a person who lived a decent and innocent lifestyle. She had embarked on her holiday with a 12-year-old daughter and other family members, hardly indicative of a woman who intends to cruise, party and engage in a sexual free-for-all. What, because you got your kids with you? Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that either. I've seen plenty of people play up 
in plenty of ways, whether their kids are five metres away or not, probably worse. Correct. So yeah, I don't right. buy that, actually. I think No, I was easy. thinking that earlier. Yeah. I just didn't want to say yeah. it. Doesn't, just because you've got a kid doesn't mean you're some angelic kind of on-the-job person all the time. I think some of the, the worst things I've ever seen of people is probably with their kids in close in distance. Yeah. yeah. Maybe because you've just noticed it more when that happens and you think, oh, God, take the kids home or go home or do whatever you're going to do. So then she continues, why then would a woman who could not be described as worldly, promiscuous or daring be found naked and dead in the cabin, dying from the effects of a date rape drug? Because she went to a place where the people that were predators and would be like, well, not likely to be, but, you know, that's where they were. I think were. because she was and predated she upon. continued to, yeah. So what time did she go to the bar? Because she was with them for hours, right, before this all transpired. Yeah, so it was after, a long it was night. It wasn't like dinner. it was 15 minutes and she was drugged. And she was like, yeah. Oh, no, but they were having an early night. So the sister and the two children had gone to bed because they were having an early night. So she's gone out afterwards. So it's not like she's out yeah. at 2 in the morning, although she did end up No, she was. That's my point. She had a long night. She'd been yeah. out with the people for no, a long but, period of time. But what I mean is she didn't make the decision to go out Late at night, she made a decision early on to go out and have some drinks that obviously then got out of hand. So whilst her comments were slammed as headline-grabbing, inflammatory and incredible by Wilhelm's lawyer, Chris Murphy, they were welcomed by Miss Brimble's family. Chris Murphy, isn't that a little bit key in all this? Isn't he like the... He is, isn't he? He's like famous and get you off anything. Oh, really? Yes. That's the Chris Murphy. Let me have a look. No, he's, he's very... I know exactly who he is. He's actually very famous. Because people used to hire him because they reckon he could get him off anything. And yeah, he was right. like, he's a bit of a celebrity. Oh, maybe that's a Sydney thing. He uh, is? This is was yeah. this in Sydney though? He's a Sydney lawyer though, I'm sure. Yeah, it was. It was in Sydney, yes. It was because it was New South Wales um, Director of Public Prosecutions. You, it must seem weird that I know that, but he was in the pre- like in the media a lot when we lived in Sydney because he was always representing yeah, celebrities right. or famous people or infamous um, characters in crimes, like people high would go to him because he would get their high profile. That's probably a, <laughs> a very shorthand way of trying to say what I just took a longhand way to say. Yep. Yeah. yeah, well, that's interesting that it's him because he's renowned for getting his way. So interestingly, her former husband, Mark Brimble, and her partner, David Mitchell, were relieved the coroner had given official standing to what they believe. Somebody has finally got it right. The way in which her life finished has finally been told, Mr Brimble said. The Brimble family were able to reach a settlement with P&O for a reasonable amount of money. Mr Brimble campaigned relentlessly for increased safety on cruise ships leaving Australian ports after establishing the Australian chapter of international cruise victims in 2004. In 2016, Mr Brimble was awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia for service to the community that Uh, through the promotion of safety for cruise line passengers. In a cruise passenger article from 2016, so this is the one I was, remember I was telling you about that in my sources, Um, Carnival Australia said, the inquest into the tragic death of Miss Diane Brimble was a catalyst for changes that have taken place across the Australian cruise industry. The changes developed significant momentum that has seen big improvement in the cruise product and the introduction of more cruise brands and more ships offering cruise holiday options for every demographic group. While the surging cruising has been built on it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just have ones where we put them all together. Yeah. Yeah. While the surging cruising has been built on an improved product and a wider demographic, the lessons learned from the Diane Brimble tragedy are never forgotten. The transformation was across the board, including 
strict RSA, responsible service of alcohol policies, use of comprehensive coverage of CCV technology, a zero tolerance of excessive behaviour that can affect the enjoyment of other passengers and the development of protocols with the Australian Federal Police, State Police Forces and South Pacific Heads of Police for the proper investigation of alleged crimes at sea. It'll be very interesting to hear back from you three about the behaviours you see in terms of it being monitored and matched because I just don't think that would translate to people being on holidays and loose and having a great time and you know it's very hard to manage what a load of old shit yeah certainly wasn't my experience on the two short P&Os that I've been on yeah I didn't get a sense that any any of the behaviours were being monitored I didn't see anything that was terrible either no 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 no. but plenty of people drinking plenty people being vogue it's not feral not terrible but I didn't see any sense of kind of dial it down now, thanks, chaps. You know, nothing like that. And that's, I don't, I mean, again, I, I was speaking to something that is my opinion and it comes to all things. When when some people go on holidays, it's a big deal. They have saved or they've, you know, waited years or whatever else. Their expectation is that it's going to be different to their everyday life and they're going to go and have a good time. And for a lot of people, having a good time means getting really messy. Certainly it does for me, yes. (laughs) Well, it doesn't for me. I love your honesty. And eating too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whether that's on a cruise ship or in a resort or in a caravan park or anywhere, it it happens everywhere. It's like, you know, uh, Vegas going to, you know, anywhere that there are certain things that people think, oh, I'm going to go and play up. Because you think you're sort of beyond the usual realms of what's not so much what's expected, but you know you're playing up. Who's I'm on a ship or I'm whatever. I'm doing what whatever. goes on to us stays, stays on to her. Correct. Mm. And you know people yeah. travelling in groups, not necessarily travelling with their family. You know behaviours happen. Hens nights, bucks nights, things happen. All that kind of jazz. And you know it's not they're going to walk around going uh, enough there. I think you know that's mm-hmm. a big Rain part of their market. Place, really, is the fact that they trade on the fact that it is not the everyday and that people are. Why is it all inclusive? Not so you have less. You've paid. You've it's, paid a lot of money. Correct. It totally leads into this kind of, you know, loose behaviour, debauched behaviour, perhaps. Yes. Mm. I, th- I think the other thing is that travelling in general in is often about new experiences or experiences yeah. you wouldn't normally new have in people. your daily routine. Correct. So, yeah, there's there's a certain excitement that I guess comes with all there's of that. There's a massive excitement. You wait till you get on board and you spend your first two hours trying to book all of your restaurants. At your so sail you away don't party. Miss out. And then mm. you go to your sail. Oh no! Then you've got to do the muster. You've got to do your first muster, uh, and then finally they let you out to have some fun. What's a muster like? A emergency drill? It's a safety drill. Okay. Yeah. Nothing says that's a good time like that. Well, I suppose it's no different to be on an aeroplane, isn't it, really? It's what's going to no, happen in it's case, the same. If, it's just in a, case you're you You're trying to tell 3,500 people all at once. excited, yeah, mm. who when just want to get to the you, bar. Yeah, when they food, tell you what to both. do if the boat sinks, do they show the Titanic? No, they don't. No, no. <laughs> they're, try, they're not trying to cause mass panic. All right, so back to the Carnival Australia article. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the transformation has made cruising one of the safest holiday choices. The community has supported the direction Safer of the industry. Safer than what? Forgive me, but what are your choices? What are you comparing it to? <laughs> Safer than going down the Amazon or so. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah, yeah. how that statement can hold true. Anyway, I'm yeah, sorry yeah, for interrupting. Ask, ask everyone on the Ruby Princess how safe <laughs> it was. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. 
The community has supported this direction and the industry's remarkable growth is testament to its success. Carnival Australia has congratulated Mark Brimble on his Australia Day honour for his (laughs) contribution to cruise passenger safety. Carnival said, Mr Brimble's advocacy to the industry leadership of Anne Sherry as head of Carnival Australia resulted in the complete transformation of the cruise industry in Australia. Well, there you go. How nice is that? All, well, everything's, everything's tidy, all sorted. All problems order. are solved. But there's more. Mm. Oh. Mm. However, in 2018, Mark Brimble told the Adelaide Advertiser, nothing has changed. <laughs> it's probably the most disheartening <laughs> fact about it. And I don't see how it can. I, I laugh at the, the complete... Yeah, it's all tickety-boo. Yeah, yeah, God. Nah. What a load of old shit, says Mark. <laughs> yeah, correct. Out of the 11 recommendations put forward in June 2013 by the Troubled Waters Report of the House of Representatives Standing Committee to help prevent a repeat of the tragedy in the future. Do you think a copywriting social... team came up with that fucking headline or that title? Yeah. That? <laughs> Troubled Waters. Love it. Yeah. Love Mark it. Brimble is the Perfect. big <laughs> on, on point. Not one has been upheld. <laughs> The, re- the recommendations included, so this was at the time of the article that I was reading, uh, and I'll come back to that a little bit later. So the recommendations included suggesting the government increase efforts to achieve greater passenger safety by introducing CCTV cameras and monitoring, an alcohol responsibility code, and alarm systems to alert guests to a man overboard, as well as a number of protocol reviews. So... We now know that some of those things have happened. Mr Brimble said allocating taxpayer funds for the investigation into her death had been pointless. He feels insulted and devastated by the lack of action after campaigning to make cruisers safer following the former wife's death in 2002. He's not happy. From an advocacy point of view, I'm fearful that this industry is going to become so large and the government is going to be so dependent on it, it will be very difficult to make an objective decision. I wanted to make... Um, sure, there is a legacy of what we went through. At the moment, it is an unfortunate legacy. A woman died on board a cruise ship in appalling circumstances and the family was treated so badly, yet nothing has changed. Why is that? I think there are solutions, but I think the Australian government and the cruise line industry have fallen very, very short, far short. In fact, I don't think they've even started to implement anything. Since then, one of the recommendations was introduced in 2018 requiring Schmidty, you love this, cruise ship operators to provide safety information for their passengers. <laughs> How's that going to stop Are you guys in training already for your trip? Yeah, yeah, right. We're getting the second volume next week. Yeah. <laughs> if you're offered drugs, what to do? Some cruise ship companies such as Carnival and Royal Caribbean have independently introduced a number of recommendations in Australia, including having CCTV and also a police presence on board. And Royal so, Caribbean, I think, is the mother of the lines that I referenced earlier, not the P&O, but the celebrity yeah. solstice, uh, celebrity, and they are really good. Yeah, and so bearing in mind that that was a Carnival Australia article that mm. I was talking about before, and they are one of the ones who independently introduced a number of recommendations. So yeah. some of them have done things, others haven't, and so there's kind of that view of well, Carnival Australia going, he's fantastic and it's all better and blah, 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 and he's going, my God, I'm so disappointed, not necessarily in Carnival or in Royal Caribbean, but I yeah. guess in the whole industry. industry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So that, my friends, is uh, the story of uh, Diane Brimble. Poor Diane. Yeah. What an undignified way to go. Oh. Exactly. Even if she was just out for a bit of fun, no, no one expects to. I, I'm actually shocked like they didn't th- try and throw her overboard because when they said, you know, it was mentioned that someone had talked about it, it kind yep. of is just how incredibly arrogant they were about the whole thing. Yeah. Look, there's a dead bird on the floor. She came here for a route. There you go. She's yep. a dog. She's a this. She's a whatever. Or she ran out not, and jumped over. Not that bothered. It's not like they even really thought, oh, we've had played a hand in this, so who cares? I yep. can't. It's like, well, this is. Not the first night we were hoping for. Well, it was until it wasn't. There's yeah. something about them that just is that, so blindingly. Well, fucking ruined everything for us. That's, it's exactly right. It we we didn't me. want our holiday ruined. Yeah. Why would we have? Oh, we just <laughs> want to have some fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, mate. Come on. Get her out of here. Yeah, we just want to have some fun. It was very, very good. It was I very. I had European background myself. That so was you very know, good. Hey. That was very good. I think even even if she did go onto the cruise with her family and she did go out to drink by herself and she did decide to have drugs that then went on to make her ten times hornier than whatever, blah, 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 none of it, I don't think she, that she... She didn't commit suicide. ...suggested that she wanted to die through that Correct. process. No. And, and, you know, whilst they then say there's photos of the two having sex and it's consensual, I don't know what a drug like that would do... I don't think that you're in your right mind to say Correct. I am actually consenting. I, yeah. I think that's the thing. And, you know, even you five minutes later, shit yourself. Like, that can't be right. Correct. And, and so, you know, if someone's going around taking photographs and you're off your head on drugs, maybe you don't really know what's going on. And Correct. So you can smile for the camera for want of a better phrase. You know, I don't. I don't know how any of that works, but I'm sort of comfortable enough to go, I don't think she ever went out to have drinks that night to end up in that room, no. in that situation. No, I don't either. It's a horrible, horrible story. And, I, you know, the, the change in her mindset from going, that excitement of going on to the cruise with her family to, you know, less than 24 hours later being naked and, dead on the floor is just such a tragedy. I agree. It's nearly as if, like, I mean, you could take that crime off of the boat and put it in the pub down the road, really. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. I think that's spot on. It's the- just that they happen to be on, you know, she's ended up in a situation where things have got away from her in terms of the alcohol and then, of course, then such impaired judgment that she's then followed and done whatever else. You know, she was yeah. just so out of it already. But the fact that it was on a boat and it was more the way it was then handled in terms of an investigation that they seem to let themselves down on time and time again where it's, you know, letting people off boats, going into port. We, you sort of talked about this in some of your other cruising crimes. It just feels like, yet again, we're in this situation where, you know, it's people behaving badly, investigations not stacking up to be able to truly understand what's happened, and then we're left with a mess. And the mess, you know, no one is, well, certainly the victim is not, you know, there's no justice in the sense that, you know, you don't really know what's happened to that person because no one's truly telling what did happen. It's all this sort of game of what do they know, what don't they know, what's already gone, what have they seen, what's, you know, we'll never have to mention that because that's been washed away so we never have to mention that again, you know, that we, we gave it to her a drink, things like that. Who would know? It just mm. becomes a an edit of what really happened, right? Yeah, yeah. The, all the facts are simply not there. They're not available. I think the other thing, and, and I don't, I know this is 2002, so... 
it's perhaps not fair to say that now, but in the context of what we were talking about with changes to the industry, if this did happen in a pub, there would more than likely be some level of CCTV footage. As you left the pub, there would be CCTV footage of you walking down the street. Correct. In a truly safe environment, which a cruise ship could absolutely deliver, mm-hmm. you know, they could have CCTV footage in the hallways, in all of the common areas. So you would clearly see footage of her walking with the blokes or being led by the blokes or, you know, someone on either side of her walking. Um, you would see whether... Because if I if I have this thing in my mind, and this is my vision of what I would think a crew, how a modern cruise ship, and I mean, you know, 2000, whatever, would operate, I would see it as something not dissimilar to a hotel or a casino where you've got yep. basically a control room where there's people sitting there with cameras because, you know, in case someone goes overboard, in case this happens, in case someone knocks something that's going to, you know, break and it's, it's a significant thing, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, right? And therein lies the irony. <laughs> yeah, and then you would think that, you know, in the bath, if someone's like over as many hours as she had been, you know, just some things like that that I think, gosh, it actually wouldn't be that hard you'd have a number of venues i mean these things have several venues don't they that are open all night schmitty yeah yeah yeah. but but by you know two four o'clock in the morning whatever she left there'd only be a number of them open you know they've got that they've trailing her right they've got back to their room you know there would i would have thought that there was a security team or people overall sort of not watching everybody with a microscope but a general sense of movement of people and if you know a group of eight bikey related guys were in any bar in any place in Australia generally speaking there'd be someone going oh better keep an eye out on that lot correct yeah. so the fact that that was just allowed to sort of percolate over as many hours as it did before she then left with them that's the kind of thing that in some situations another get you know there was just no one there to go hey uh that all good going on there you know little mm. things like that can do a lot I, th- I think the other thing is that the proximity between the bar and where the crime occurs is so close that there's not a lot of opportunity for witnesses or um, whatnot. But if you're walking down a street, and I think back to, um, you know, the Jill Maher case, which was 2012, you know, there is footage of her walking down the street and there's actually footage of him, Adrian Bailey or whatever his name is. Yeah, so, you know, there is some proof there of, of what happened. Yeah. Why couldn't that be the case in a cruise ship in a common area um not that people have to be sitting there watching it all the time you guys are going to turn up get a drink check it you'll be looking around i've got cameras on me we're all good i don't think anyone's debating the fact that she was in a nightclub i don't think anyone's debating the fact that she was seen going with these guys the the issue is whether or not there's any there's no footage to or or way of determining whether or not she was slipped a drug or took it willingly and also how willingly she went with them from the bar Once to you've the taken room. the drug, I really don't think that you've... But, but what I'm saying is if there were, mind. if you saw the footage, you know, is she walking independently of, of them? Is she being led by them? Is she, has she got someone well, on either side? I've I think that's... plenty of times, Pistis of Newton people have helped me up when I'm stumbling around. Sure, but, it it, but if there's... mean me any ill intent. No, but I think in the context of this story, if I looked at it and saw that she was walking by herself, I would be more inclined to go, she's going willingly, yes, still possibly drugged, mm. If 
there's some, uh, you know, a, a bikey on either side her. of her yeah. holding her up and kind of what, and they go, you know what, she's in this state, let's take her back to the room so that we can do whatever. I think the footage could provide some context that would make it easier for people to interpret what really happened. And, and that's the piece that I so think. So there isn't anything, that was just witness, uh, witness statement. Yeah, okay. taken taken from people at four a.m. in the morning. Well, you sorry, taken from people who were up at four a.m. in the morning. If I wouldn't I'm know out what drinking I said. That's the thing, right? So, but like, even I'm just thinking back to my own cruise experience. You're walking down a corridor, you're walking past people. I don't remember who they are five seconds later. Like, I'm the it, same. Even if they're pissed and they're rolling around, I won't, don't pay any attention. Oh, I reckon I'm going this to my room. If you saw, I reckon if you saw because it, because a middle-aged woman with a group of men like that. Honestly, would, not necessarily, I Carla. I yeah. mean, you might, but because it is a party atmosphere and people are copping yeah. off and stuff is happening, you don't necessarily see it fair as sinister. A, a sinister thing. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. I think the other thing, though, is that at 4 a.m. in the morning, not too many people are up sober no. and alert. True. So, what so the might ones that are at, up are probably going off to cop off. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or... Or, you know, or we're going to have inaccurate recollections Correct. of what happened. Whereas true, if it was true. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you would expect that there are some people yeah. who yeah. are completely sober, alert, and can give you a, a decent retelling of what happened. All right. So on that, are we going to sentence? Because I'm quite happy. I don't care what really happened. I'm quite happy to <laughs> sentence some of these assholes. Go your hardest. Right. Right. Because we are, <laughs> because we are um, covering a, a nautical sort of situation and my mate the people I'm going to sentence uh, are Wilhelm or Wilhelm however you want to say his name and Silvestri who yep. I just I really really dislike mm-hmm. I know I've never met him but from the account of what you've said and Wilhelm because while you were talking I was reading some of his charming quotes as well and thought no he's just as disgusting really and I'm not sure about Peter Pan, but I didn't like the fact that he grabbed a camera maybe yep. and went back yep. into the room. Yep. Correct, right, yeah. I don't think all of them have done the wrong thing, but there are certainly I think at least three or four of them who were complicit in it, if not killing her, not saving her. Yeah. yeah. So I think they'd be my top three based on what how the story mm. was told, yep. Yeah. Yep. So based on that, I'm going to uh, revert to a historical nautical punishment. Ooh. Which is keel hauling. I don't know what that is. I've heard the name. I, thought I, you love, I love how you know this shit that no one else knows. <laughs> did you know what it was before you Googled it or did you 100%, know it was? 100%. Of course. 100%. But I wanted, to, I wanted a nice Because I did it to someone on one of, of those cruises that oh, yeah. <laughs> I went on. She's got a whole suite of things avail- options so, available someone, to her when she travels next. Yeah, someone pushed in front of me in the queue to get the food, so I killed Kill all them. them. <laughs> That's right. No, no, no. It's because of my pirate juice, you see. I love it. Right. I've got a thing about pirates. Okay, that's fair. thing I read. Oh, why is a pirate called a pirate? Uh, don't know. Because they are. <laughs> anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right so I'm, yeah. I am keelhauling the three of them, and keelhauling is a punishment inflicted for various offences in the Dutch Navy. And when I say that, I'm talking in the year 1970, sorry, 1673, not 1973, nor 2022. It is performed by plunging the delinquent repeatedly under the ship's bottom on one side and hoisting him up on the other, having <gasps> passed under the keel. Oh, Brilliant. How do you the survive blocks, that? 
Usually don't. The blocks or pillars by which he is suspended are fastened to the opposite extremities of the main yard and a weight of lead or iron is hung upon his legs to sink him to a competent depth. By this apparatus he is drawn close up to the yard arm and thence let fall suddenly into the sea where, passing under the ship's bottom, he is hoisted up on the opposite side of the vessel. As this extraordinary sentence is executed with the serenity of temper peculiar to the Dutch, the culprit is allowed sufficient intervals to recover the sense of pain, of which he is indeed frequently deprived during the operation, i.e. we let them get their consciousness back so that we can make sure they feel it again and again. I was going to say, because when you said often they don't survive it, I was going to say, can we make sure that for these people (laughs) that happens? So well done. In... Truth, a temporary insensibility to his sufferings ought by no means be construed into a disrespect of his judges. When we consider this punishment, it is supposed to have peculiar propriety in the depth of the winter, so you do it in the coldest time, whilst the flakes of ice are floating on the stream, and that is continued until the culprit is almost suffocated for want of air, benumbed with the cold of the water, or stunned with the blows his head received by striking the ship's bottom. And that, (laughs) my friends, is keel hauling. (laughs) Nice work. I like it. I think that is a very appropriate sentence. Well done. And here's uh, just a little footnote here. One source suggests that it may have evolved from the medieval punishment of ducking, another of my old faves. Ducking? Yeah, we've ducked before, remember? Oh, oh, I, beg, like, I beg your pardon. Go back to episode is this like a, six or something, and I'm sure we duck someone. Is this like a autocorrect? No. Where, we, where we've ducked before? No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have definitely sentenced people to ducking before. Yeah. Okay. Over to you. I'm actually really comfortable with that for the for those guys. Uh, what I'm unsure of, and so yeah, you know, I don't think I need to try to come up with a, a different sentence to what you've done for for the blokes, but I'm really unsure and and kind of. I feel like there's some element of punishment that has to happen both for the coroner and the judge. I thought you'd go there, yeah. Yeah, because I I just struggle with that, how they've both made it black and white in completely opposite yeah. ways. And I actually can't agree with either of them. I can see how certainly the coroner's viewpoint could be a possibility. I can't see how it's a certainty. And I like the fact that she's provided an alternative to the outcome from the Supreme Court judge. I'm shocked that the Supreme Court judge can overrule a guilty plea and prescribe no punishment. I, you know, that that piece I think is is really disappointing. And and maybe they haven't done anything wrong. I just feel like that's morally not correct. I would like to think that the system doesn't operate like that. That said, you know, we've had chats before around evidence that should and shouldn't be allowed in and perhaps so much of the evidence was not relevant to the case and it creates a certain stereotype that therefore leads to someone being guilty. What, what I did like about the judge is that they actually said um, the media circus has affected this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe it's not in not so many words. Now. But, yeah. we, we, you know, when we talk about the... Um, the Scott Peterson one where there was an absolute media circus. I still um, think he did it, but yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I think you're you're um, <laughs> quite right. But what I'm saying is the impartiality of the jury is, is such an important yeah. part of the process. Agreed. 
Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I, I just I would like both of those two to reconsider the outcome of what they've said. Probably have a good chat and come up with a unified approach because and something in the middle. I think mm. that, that you're correct. Sorry, I, I'm kind of rambling. The person that we should sentence it's other than those three. <laughs> I know. Look what it does to me. Yeah. The the thing that uh, I think we should call out is the fact that the crime, crime scene wasn't preserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know whether that sits with the purser or the paramedics or the entire cruise line you know in the instance of something like that they just need to be better it should be sealed off they should be moved to another room with none of their belongings until the police arrive mm-hmm. yeah correct yeah even if you don't think it's a suspicious death she wasn't meant to be in that room she's not a person in the cabin i would have called correct. that suspicious until proven otherwise Any, anyone dead we shut it down no you can't go back and get your belongings and all right, Swanee. What I was thinking I might do is I'm going to stick with the three that you had originally talked about. So Wilhelm, Sylvester, and I couldn't remember PP's name. What was his name? Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Yep. So PP. Peter Pan Japanus or something and stupid. Yeah. Pantic, I think. I, because we don't truly panties. know what happened. Peter Panties. And we have to <laughs> go with what we do know. And what we do know are the words that these men have uttered and the things yes. they've said that they did do. That's why I'm kill hauling them. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. I think is yep. fabulous. What I thought Good I'd call. do, I thought I'd sort of revert back to um, another one of Clarkie's cruising crimes. And mm-hmm. remember we talked about the dirty pipe? Oh, <laughs> yes. Magic pipe. Uh, magic, oh, magic pipe. pipe that, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Brilliant. Daisy. So I think given that these chaps are so easy to be able to um, demean Diane, they think she's smelly and ugly and big or whatever. I love it. You know, it's all things where they they didn't have, there wasn't an attraction, there was no interest other than to, to totally use and abuse her really. At best, right? What happened? I believe I... Wilhelm said something along the lines of, "I wouldn't have if I hadn't been on the drugs myself. I wouldn't Correct. have even looked." And I and I don't doubt that. And they thought no one would know, no one would see it. They just had this woman who was in a bar who they were able to take advantage of. And any holes a girl. Correct. That's exactly right. And I think with based on that, I would think that in one way that I could make these people feel this dirty, smelly, ugly, and demean would be to get them working on the magic pipe of the boat. Mm-hmm. which is where all the effluent comes out. Is that yeah. correct, um, yeah. Clarkie, where they just dump yeah. it? Yeah. It's where they pump That's it all out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, not just the, the yeah, all the cooking Everything, that's everything. right, the grease trap. Yep, yep, yep. Everything that should go in a black tank, a black water tank. Mm. They, they oh. can have all of those. Yeah, so I just think, you know, they have no qualms in, you know, just there was there was no good intention in anything that they did. I'm not sure that, you know, no one, I don't think they tried to kill her, but. You know, when it all went no, terribly right, wrong, it, again, it was a massive inconvenience for them and they were then were like, oh, God. So it, that's what's so disgusting is the yeah. way they've talked about this woman mm, afterwards. Yeah, that's, afterwards. What really, you know, that's what really yeah. bothers it's me, actually. Like, yeah, if I was, if it, if, it, if it was a circumstance where I met some person somewhere and they this sort of thing happened, they died, I don't think I would be talking about them ruining my holiday or what a fat bitch they were or whatever. Like, I'd just be like, oh, Wouldn't it was, you it was go, just oh, an shit. awful thing. Isn't she was- on board with her child? She told us that at the bar, you know, oh, my God, this has gone terribly wrong. She's had drugs and it's gone terribly wrong. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, you were right at the outset of this where you said it was a little bit serious and dark, but I am really happy with the magic pipe 
coming back oh, this gold. episode. Yeah. Pay that one, Swanee. Good job. So, good one, Clarky. As Very we good. say all the time, miss you already. Ciao. Ciao, ciao, for now. Ciao, darlings. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.